listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. Very glad to have you along with us on this weekend before Christmas. The stress of the holiday should be manifesting itself, I suppose, in full force over these next few days. And we do hope you make it through unscathed. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. Unscathed. That's how the NFL and its television network affiliates have come through after the risk of putting the Buffalo Bills in front of a national television audience. And I say risk because rarely in recent years have they dared put the Bills on national TV. But after the response from Bills Mafia, Thanksgiving Day, and that Bills win over the Cowboys, they made the decision to flex last Sunday's game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers into the primetime slot. And the Bills, they didn't disappoint. Now, not only did they play well in a playoff-clinching win, but the incredible fan base continues to position themselves as the best in the league. Oh, yeah. And by best, I suppose I'm weighing a combination of both passion and faithfulness. By the way, for what it's worth, I'm not qualifying drunken leaps into a table for the implicit intention of breaking it in half. That's <laughs> not what I deem as passionate. That falls under the category of uh, foolishness. Look, every fan base has their fringe element, right? Now, I know we're here in Western New York, and it might seem a bit of a homer conclusion, but is there a team with a better fan base than the Buffalo Bills? And, and as I say, this might be a homer conclusion, but I'm a Giants fan. Now, sure, if there was no such thing as a Giants, let's be honest, there barely is, but I'd be a Bills fan. While I want the Bills to win, that all stops when it comes to the Giants. So I'm not necessarily in the homer camp here, but I understand that it may sound that way. But is there a better fan base than the Buffalo Bills? And I'm sure many fan bases feel this way about their team. But if Bills Mafia is not the best, they have to be certainly prominent in the conversation, right? Obviously, we're close to the noise. We hear Bills all the time. We see Bills gear every day. We hear Bills fans every day. Our social media feeds are filled with posts about the Buffalo Bills because of our friend circles. But even so, the national media is picking up on how well this fan base travels. Maybe it's an excuse to get out of Buffalo, Western New York. But Bills fans have been flooding into other people's stadiums and really challenging the home team sometimes for the loudest crowd noise. Now, there are some teams which historically they've always traveled well. The Dallas Cowboys come to mind. The Oakland Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers, you see their gear everywhere. They travel well. But when it may not be uncommon, while it may not be uncommon, to cross paths with somebody wearing gear from those teams, they aren't flooding the stadiums. They're not going into other towns the way Bills fans have. They aren't taking over the community in, in some ways the way Bills fans have. And it's not just during the game. Bills fans have been They've been out, they've been about representing in the restaurants, in the pubs, and I've seen national media coverage of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, they travel like the Yankees do. You know, we've said before, you can go to any stadium in the league and there's a pocket of Yankees fans there. You could go any place and run into Bills fans. My brother runs into them regularly in Virginia at the gas station or whatever, and they do the shout song at each other across the parking lot, you know? But, like, 
Um, he said when he went to the their playoff game two years ago against Jacksonville, he said there was about a third of the crowd at that stadium was Bills fans. I mean, that's like 30,000 Bills fans. They took over a parking lot and wouldn't let Jaguars fans in to park. Like, <laughs> that's that's how we travel. You know, I, I went to a game with my family in Cincinnati a couple years ago. You could hear the shout song echoing through the concourses there in Cincinnati at their home stadium. You know, like, uh, we travel well, and this has been even going back to when this team was bad. Nobody right now in America, no, nobody celebrates their team the way Bills fans are celebrating their team. And if they beat the Patriots this weekend, all of America is celebrating the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the video, but uh, the Bills uh, beat the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. They landed in Buffalo at 2 a.m. I believe it was below freezing. It was snowing. It was not a good time to be outside. There were hundreds of fans lining the fence to welcome the Bills back to Buffalo as they got off the plane. It's just, you could say, passionate. You could say crazy. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of those two things, but uh, it's a great fan base, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. And it means a lot coming from you because you're not a Bills fan. There's a common analogy which preachers use from time to time comparing how the typical Christian willing to celebrate at a sporting event, but not so much in church on a Sunday morning. Not that we should empty the Gatorade bucket. That's not what we're talking about on the speaker after a particularly good message, but you get my point. We don't necessarily need to yell and scream, I suppose, but there ought to be some semblance, wouldn't you think, of joy and excitement? We should celebrate the many blessings God has given us. We live in the greatest country on earth, despite some of its problems. We ought to celebrate that. We ought to be thankful to God for that. For most, we have loved ones around. We have breath in our lungs. We have the ability to walk into the kitchen and get something to eat pretty much whenever we want. Not everyone has that. I understand that. And we should have some part in doing something about that. But we should celebrate every day what God has blessed us with. And we should celebrate the gift of life itself. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul writes these words while under house arrest. He's awaiting his time to stand before Caesar. Despite the circumstance from which it was written, joy is throughout this book that he writes to the Philippians. And by the way, he didn't have some put-on-a-happy-face, positive-attitude thing. This was complete trust and satisfaction and confidence that God was in control, regardless of the situation. Celebrating God shows our appreciation for what he's done for us. And this is a time of year when even those who don't know him celebrate him. Because God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to take away our sins. We celebrate that birth in the manger. The Bible is full of reasons to celebrate God. The 145th Psalm is just one of those passages. It lists a number of reasons to celebrate God. I'll not read it here because of time. You can read it yourself. Psalm 145 only has 21 verses, but let me share the first three. It says, I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Verse 3 says, Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness unsearchable. The rest of the chapter speaks of God's abundant goodness. It describes God as being gracious, compassionate, patient, slow to anger. He's good, trustworthy, faithful. He's rich in love. 
He lifts us up. He provides for our needs. He satisfies the desires of our hearts. He's a mighty God who watches over us. He protects us. He fights for us. All reasons to celebrate taken right out of Psalm 145. David wrote that every day he would bless and praise God. We can celebrate God when things are good and when things are not. David, Job, the Apostle Paul, others all praise God in difficult times. Again, complete confidence that God was in control no matter the situation. Regardless of our circumstances, we really need to celebrate God. Rejoicing, praising, or celebrating is not something which is dependent on our feelings, but it should be done unconditionally. You may not have a clue, and you probably don't, what's going to happen next in your life, but God is going to do something. He's going to do something, and maybe something that you're not expecting him to do. Maybe something that you didn't even necessarily want him to do, but he's going to do something. And you can trust that no matter what it is, it will be worth celebrating because he desires what is best for you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will do in your life which he alone can do in your life, and that is worthy of celebration. It's great to praise him in church on Sunday, but I believe it will lift your soul by celebrating him every day. Time for a break. Stay tuned. This week's Red Hawks recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College is just around the bend. And then on the other side of the break, we'll talk a bit about the most recent controversy surrounding the New England Patriots. What do we make of all this? Is this worth getting hot and bothered over? Come on back. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let's have a look back now on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, December 19th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. After a 73-58 road loss to St. Thomas Aquinas College, a game in which Taryn Wilson was one of three Red Hawks to score in double digits, leading the team with 16, they bounced back on Sunday, defeating Mercy College 59-47. This time, four Red Hawks reached double digits. Wilson and Dimitri Gixani each had 14, Sarah Nady had 11, and Emily Miller added 10. The men fell at St. Thomas Aquinas College 82-58, Armand Nasiri was the leading contributor for Roberts, missing out on a double-double by only one rebound. Nasiri finished with 15 points and 9 rebounds. Reggie Clark had 12 points as the only other Roberts player to hit double digits. On Sunday, the men were tripped up at Mercy College, losing 82-74. Shane Fanning hit five three-pointers for the Red Hawks and Root to leading his team with 24 points. Clark and Nasiri had 16 points each. And in a Wednesday matinee at Franklin Pierce University, the Red Hawks lost 74-59. Clark with 25 points, Nasiri with 16. The women's basketball team will return home Saturday, January 4th against Cheney University of Pennsylvania. Then it'll be a basketball doubleheader on Friday, January 10th as the Red Hawks host the University of Bridgeport. The women tip off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8. Mark your calendars and go on out to the Voller Athletic Center on the Roberts Wesleyan College campus. Support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. 
You can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. Scores, news, highlights, much more. And, of course, you can always follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram at Sports Talk from a faith-based point of view. We're recording in our studio in Rochester, New York, but the program is heard all around the country. It's heard all around the world via podcast. And this week, we'd like to say hello to Wellsville, New York, one of the many places to download last week's program. Wellsville is not all that far from us here in Rochester, down in New York Southern Tier. Maybe an hour and a half drive, maybe a little bit better than that. There's a hot dog shop there, which is, man, it's just out of this world. I don't know the name of it, but if you're familiar with hot dogs, if you're familiar with Wellsville, I know you know the name of it. Texas Hots, the kind I like to, uh, that, that I'm familiar with, that I grew up with, that I, that I favor, the kind that you can eat three or four of them. And it is, it's, it's tremendous. It's a great shop. If you're in Wellsville, find it. it it's well worth it. And yes, I've made that hour and a half or better trip a few times just to get some hot dogs. Billy Packer, legendary sports broadcaster, was born in Wellsville, covered college basketball for many years with CBS. Another notable Wellsville native, Gabby Hayes. If you're not familiar with Gabby, if you've seen a Western movie, and why wouldn't you have? Because who doesn't love cowboy movies? If you've seen one, you've seen Gabby Hayes. He's 100 films or more. This guy was in almost everything, but... He would be recognizable as a sidekick to a number of famous cowboys, such as Randolph Scott, John Wayne. He was in a dozen or more films with John Wayne. He was with Roy Rogers, Hopalong Cassidy. Played a little semi-pro baseball, too. Thanks for listening in Wellsville, New York, and to you as well, wherever it is that you're listening from. Zach, I, oh, I didn't really want to bring this up yet for a couple of reasons, but I, I think we need to. And that's this latest cheating scandal surrounding the New England Patriots. I wanted to avoid it because, for one, we only have so much time, and I'm guessing you're going to have some opinions on this matter. But additionally, (laughs) I really wanted to wait until we had more information about really what was going on Mm -hmm. and how the NFL is going to respond. But after video footage that we saw this weekend, I think it was Fox's pregame show that released it, showing the Cincinnati Bengals sidelines shot last week by freelance photographer working for the New England Patriots. It's difficult to not have questions about why this video was shot and where the idea originated to shoot it in the first place. The video seems pretty condemning. If you haven't seen it, it appears that someone with the Bengals security staff is videoing as evidence what it is that the Patriots were recording. The security member can be heard questioning the Patriots employee about the footage itself. And on talk radio throughout this week, 
I've heard a number of Patriots fans actually calling into programs and dismissing this as nothing at all. And I realize the league is still investigated, and maybe there's some sort of explanation. But I'll tell you, there's no defending it based on what we know to this point. We're in the rare position where we've actually been able to see the video, thanks to Jay Glazer releasing it. And, I mean, it looks pretty bad. Um you know, you've got you can hear the guy in the background saying, "Well, how about if I just delete the video and we can forget about it?" And they're like, "Nah, it's too late for that, buddy." You know, and and the, and the the Bengals guy is pointing out to the Patriots guy, "This is supposed to be you're filming your your scout, and the scout's nowhere to be seen in this video. So what's the deal here?" You know, and and it just it's not only a view of the sideline, but the camera is following the player substitutions on and off the field. Mm. And I, I mean, look, I don't know how helpful that is, but I know it's against the rules to film it, and it does look pretty bad. The Patriots employee responds saying, uh, I was trying to get some field perspective. That's my bad. Like, like saying my bad is just, oh, that takes you off the hook. You know, I acknowledge it. Stop. Mm-hmm. And then says that he didn't know he wasn't allowed to shoot the sideline and apologize. The Bengal security guy, he asked what we'd all like to know. How did you not know? Well, the Patriots aren't so much denying it, but they're dismissing it as nothing to get worked up about because the football side of the franchise had no idea that the entertainment side was filming the Bengals. And if you believe that, let me just say that's difficult to believe. In fact, the supervising producer said, it never occurred to me that my actions and the actions of my crew would be misconstrued. I'm not so sure they're misconstrued. I think we it, it it looks pretty clear what you were trying to do. Man, I, I don't know how you how you defend this. People familiar with the matter said New England violated NFL rules, but out of stupidity, not malice. The Patriots have acknowledged that the video crew was wrong to shoot the field, but Coach Bill Belichick had no knowledge of it. Again, Really kind of tough to believe. And, and I have to wonder why the Patriots, a 10 and 3 at the time, would feel a need to video a one win team like the Bengals or Belichick or anyone else with the Patriots, why they would risk being caught again after being fined $250,000 and losing a first round draft pick back in 2007 after the original spike cape. Belichick himself was fined 500000 Why would you risk doing it again unless you are so arrogant? that you just don't think this this applies to you, or maybe it's worth it. Maybe you can afford, if it's going to lead to titles and it's going to lead to Super Bowls, maybe you can afford a $500,000 fine and the loss of a draft pick, which is why I really think the NFL needs to come down hard on the Patriots. Yeah, well, especially because you're the Patriots, this isn't... This isn't your first rodeo. You know, it's not your first videotaping scandal. How are you not really careful about this sort of thing? Yeah. You know, it, they need to be punished because at a minimum, they were incredibly negligent. And at a maximum, they're cheating again. So uh, we're going to see some sort of punishment. It's just going to be a matter of how severe. Belichick said, we don't knowingly, intentionally want to do anything that's across the line. Who's buying that? Nobody. And for much the same reason as we talked about Michael Vick on last week's show, they have damaged their reputation. And now there's there's nothing they can do that for some people are ever going to forgive them or be able to believe them again. And you know what someone wants to see after they've been caught doing something wrong? 
People want to see repentance. They want to see them change their ways and acknowledge their wrongs. But this is not the Patriots' way. Before trust is restored, you look for some sort of acknowledgement that they've done something wrong and that they'll not do it again, or at least try not to do it again. But again, that doesn't seem like that's the Patriots. Repentance follows brokenness. A realization that a mistake was made and a regret for having made it. Then comes the turning around so as to not do it again. Our faith in Christ comes through brokenness over sins. If there was never an acknowledgement of sin, if there was never regret over them, then there's no repentance. We'd be like the patriots, allegedly be like the patriots, denying them and then repeating them. However, when we realize that we have sinned, and come on, for nearly all of us, it seems as undeniable as what we've seen in that video that the Bengal staff guy had of the Patriots, what they were shooting. We've been caught red-handed. In fact, in the Bible, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Without forgiveness, we're still condemned as a result of our sins. John chapter 3, verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. None of us are righteous. We all need God to forgive our sins if we're going to make it to heaven and be with him after our life here on earth is done. But we need to acknowledge our sin. We need to have regretted our sin, and we need to turn away. We need to repent from our sin. We need to ask him to forgive us. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, he will indeed forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. Let him be part of your life. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He laid down his life, his sinless life. It was perfect. It was holy. But he gave it up to pay the price of your sins and mine. When you ask God to forgive you and you're willing to repent from your sin, he no longer sees your wretchedness. Instead, he extends grace to you and he accepts Jesus' righteousness instead of your wretchedness. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to spend eternity in heaven, then turn to God and admit your sin to him and ask him to forgive you. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Pray to God and admit your sin and guilt. And, and as always, if there's some way that we can help you, please don't hesitate in reaching out. Maybe we can pray for you. You can reach out through our website, BTG Program. Dot com. Stick around when we come back. We're going to close out the show with our You Like That segment. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Have yourself a 
It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We'll close out this week's show with our You Like That segment. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. As a sports fan, there's nothing I like about the Philadelphia Flyers. In fact, there's no franchise in any sport I care for less than the Philadelphia Flyers. But that's as a sports fan. As a human, I absolutely love the support they've shown for their 23-year-old forward, Oscar Lindblom who's been diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, a rare type of bone cancer he's expected to miss the rest of the season. He was away from the team for a bit. Lindblom was back this week, though, with his team prior to a game against the Anaheim Ducks. His jersey hangs in front of his locker. His teammates skate with his, with his number on their helmet, and the crowd in attendance all stood in unison with placards that read, I fight for Oscar. Flyers head coach Elaine Vigneault shared a story revealing the kind of guy that Lindblom is. While the Flyers were on the road, Lindblom had stayed back in Philadelphia for some testing and what turned out to be his eventual diagnosis. At the same time, a teammate was recovering from a concussion. Vigneault says that with everything that is going on, he texted TK to find out how his head was going because of the concussion. That's just the type of young man that we have. Strong. The support of the Philadelphia Flyers players and organization for a teammate battling cancer is what I like this week. What I liked this week was the week that the Buffalo Bills have had. They clinched a playoff spot by beating the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, as you probably know. Then on Monday, cornerback Tredavious White spent his victory Monday at a Buffalo hospital, passing out newborn care packages to new parents in the birthing wing. Then on Tuesday, White was voted into the Pro Bowl, also on Tuesday. Nice. Safety Micah Hyde held his Kicks for Kids party in the press box at New Era Field, where 100 kids received new Nikes, Hmm. Bills gear, and a dinner. It's fun to root for a team that not only wins games, but also gives back to its community in a big way. So that's what I liked this week. Well, there you have it. Good or bad, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. I want to remind all our listeners that we are only on the air thanks to your generous support, both prayerful and financial. We need your support, both of those, prayerful and financial. And if you want to make a financial gift, you can visit our website. If you want to make a prayer gift, you don't need to do that. But please, lift us up in prayer btgprogram.com. There you can make a one-time gift. You can make a recurring gift. That is between you and God. But we thank you for your support. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Everybody.